Welcome to the National Championship Preview Edition of Sunshine State Takes. We are going to give you everything you need to know from this college football season, along with our predictions and everything you need to know about LSU versus Clemson tonight at 8 p.m. I am Brandon. This is Matt. Let's get started. Where the beat go? Oh, ain't that some drums came in? You ain't see that coming. Hands on my head, can't tell me nothing. Got a taste of the fame and a bum. I can be critical, never typical. Intricate with every syllable, I'm a criminal. Intimate, but never political, pretty visual. Even if you hate it, I'll make you feel like you're in it, though. You call me what you want, but never call me forgettable. Leave you deep in thought, I can never swim in the kiddie pool. Wait, I've been thinking the cinematic is beautiful, man. I don't know if I'm making movies or music videos. Videos, videos. Yeah, the sales can rise, doesn't mean much, though, when your health declines. See, we've all got something that we trapped inside that we try to suffocate. What's going on, everyone? I uh, got a big game tonight. It is. The national championship, the end of the road. There will be a champion crown tonight. Uh, for your reminder, we got the LSU Tigers going up against the Clemson Tigers. It's a battle of Tigers in this one. We're excited for it. Uh, but before we start getting into the game and what's going to go down tonight, we're going to start with our usual segment. Brandon, what's on your mind? You know, what's on my mind? Uh, I think we have a joint what's on your mind tonight. You gave, me, you gave us a pretty good... Uh, topic to talk about and that's of the UCF quarterback Mackenzie Milton so uh since it was your idea what do you have to say about that to start? Uh, well yeah I was just scrolling through Instagram the other night and I came across uh, this post from a college football page on Instagram who's pretty big got a good following and it's elite college football right, right? elite yeah. college football I follow him um I, I I find most of what he posts to be legit I don't agree with everything but um he posted a quarterback rankings that I was scrolling through. And, you know, number one was Trevor Lawrence. Number two was Justin Fields. Number three was Mackenzie Milton. And as a UCF fan, you know, I, I was happy to see that, but I was kind of like, wait, why? You know, because um, 2017 Mackenzie Milton for sure uh, could be a top three quarterback. But this is a Mackenzie Milton that suffered one of the more gruesome leg injuries we've seen in a while. And I don't even know if it's guaranteed that he is going to play next year. Uh, because what they have right now in Dylan Gabriel is uh, pretty reliable, but also that leg injury isn't. It doesn't seem like something that you come back from. So uh, I think what we want to talk about is just uh, what is the future looking like for Mackenzie Milton and uh, really the UCF quarterback position. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that many people expect a lot more out of Mackenzie Milton in his return to the field than you you know you can really uh, expect out of him. I mean that not that only does that not make much sense after, like you said, coming off the gruesome leg injury, but it doesn't really make him, doesn't put him in a good situation because if he doesn't live up to those expectations, it's going to be, you know, people are going to look at him differently than the way he played before he got injured. Um, I, I'm just going to say he's undeniably a great talent. We saw it when he was at his full strength and he was honestly one of the better quarterbacks in the entire NCAA. But going into 2020, I just don't know if he's going to be able to get over the things, maybe uh, maybe not even the factors of his play, but more of his mindset and where his head is at after uh, you know that, that leg injury. Because we've seen it multiple times where a player gets injured and they come back and they just look like a shell of themselves. Uh, for example, uh, Derek Rose in the NBA, yeah. uh, he, he went through a few uh, leg injuries with the ACL and everything like that. Right now he's playing pretty well, but it's taken him a while to be able to get back to being – uh, you know, somewhat consistent in the way he plays. You know, it, it's it's something that it's difficult to do. There's many factors that play into it. Will his leg be fully healed? Will his mindset hold him back from taking risks in regards to, you know, re-injuring his leg? And uh, how much will he truly be able to bounce back? UCF was a very solid team that year. Uh, you know, some pieces have left since he has went down. It's kind of a new team, in my opinion, uh, even though they still have some pretty solid uh, pretty solid pieces around him. It's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be able to put up the numbers he was putting up before that injury. Uh, yeah, well, uh, all good points. Uh, some history about Mackenzie Millen. He grew up in Hawaii, played his high school football in Hawaii, uh, along with Tua Tugaviola. They actually played high school at the same time on different teams. They were rivals. I think Mackenzie Millen's team actually took down Tua's in a state championship. Uh, so Millen can play. And he's proven that in 2017, uh, he was phenomenal in both 2017 and 2018. But 2017 was the year they took down Auburn. 
He was 265 of 395, which is a 67.1 completion percentage for 4,037 yards, 37 touchdowns, along with eight rushing touchdowns and nine interceptions. So he counted for 45 rushing touchdowns that year, and he really played probably the biggest part out of anyone on that team of taking down the heavily favored Auburn in the Peach Bowl. Uh, he came back in 2018, 171 for 289, 2,663 yards, 25 touchdowns, along with nine rushing touchdowns and six interceptions. So a bit of a drop off, but the numbers were still there. And then it all came crashing down and the war in I-4 uh, when he got injured against the USF Bulls. So that, that that's a that's a little background on Milton. And then came Dylan Gabriel. So the thing that it comes down to for me, first off, is Milton healthy. And if he is healthy, do you trust him more than your young freshman, Dylan Gabriel, who last season or this past season went 263 for 398, 3,653 yards, 29 touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, and seven interceptions? So for UCF, it comes down to do you want to let the young guy develop or do you want to put the guy who might not be the same again back in the quarterback position? And that's what they're going to have to figure out this offseason. Absolutely. And I just want to clarify, I don't think by any means that Milton's going to go out and be a crap show. I don't think he's going to you know, look as if he doesn't belong on the field anymore. Like I said, he's a great talent. Um, but do I think he looks a bit different from what he looked like in 2017, like you said? Yes, I absolutely do. I, I just don't know if he's going to be able to put up the same numbers or the same eye test that we saw from UCF. You know, that was their undefeated season. Uh, some claim national championship, other dispute it. Uh, we'll probably get into that later on, in their, uh, not in today's show, but in a future show, uh, maybe during the offseason at some time. But uh, I think in 2020, the thing that really – sets him apart from being able to make a full recovery and full comeback is not the physical limitations that his knee is going to give him. But like I said, it's going to be his mindset and how he's willing to, you know, go out there and play his heart out. Cause I know for a fact, he wants to be out on that field after an injury like that. A lot of players just kind of call it quits. They don't want to, you know, go back out there and risk re-injury because that has lifetime effects. That's not just an effect that's going to bug them for a few years. That, That could you know, alter their entire lives. And by him doing that, I think he really shows passion for the game of football. And I think that he can be able to go on and be a, you know, solid quarterback for UCF. But do I think he's going to be spectacular? Do I think he's going to be ranked in the top three in terms of quarterbacks in the NCAA with guys like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields? Absolutely not. I just don't think it's possible. Right. And I a hundred percent agree with you. And like I said, um, you know, UCF has a decision to make. Do they want to go with uh, Gabriel, who I, you know, speaking to people who go to UCF, there's a lot of hype around Dylan Gabriel. And while I think his inexperience costed UCF some losses on the road this year, I think they have a legitimate talent in Dylan Gabriel. Um, so, you know, if Millen does come back healthy next year, you could play him for a couple games. And you said he's not, you don't expect him to be a crap show. I don't either, but you still have to prepare for that, I feel like. Uh, so if Millen comes out and just stinks it up, at the very least, you have a reliable backup in Dylan Gabriel who shows he can put up uh, good numbers. And we've seen Milton put up, you know, 4,037 yards, 37 touchdowns, eight rushing touchdowns. Those are, you know, you know, the, like if maybe he was playing in a better conference in, than the American and putting up those numbers, you know, that those are Heisman numbers right there. Uh, so Milton's a guy we know who can put up those numbers. But like you said, is uh, he going to be playing with the same mindset as he did before? Or is he just going to come out and look like Blaine Gabbert, who was absolutely afraid to cross the line of scrimmage? That's what uh, we're going to have to wait till 2020 to figure out. But uh, that's Mackenzie Milton, uh, obviously a big topic in, co- in college football, considering the numbers he put up. And after suffering a brutal injury, we're both excited to see what uh, he can do next season. I'm definitely excited to see what he can do next season. And uh, I just think that going into training camp, they should definitely take a look at him and Dylan Gabriel. I think there should be an open quarterback competition. You're going to have the guy that at one time was a projected first-round pick in McKenzie Milton uh, a few years ago, or, or, well, this upcoming year until he got injured. Uh, he was going to be projected for either uh, for the next few years as a uh, first-round pick. But now there's a bunch of questions surrounding him. Dylan Gabriel, like you said, he's a, he's a younger guy. He can develop in the system, and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what UCF does in terms of their quarterback situation next season. But at the same time, it's a good situation to be in. You don't want to be in a situation where you don't know who your quarterback is because of lack of talent. You're in a situation because a guy coming off an injury that you know is talented and a guy that was able to put up numbers this season. So I think that's really good for UCF and where they're headed in their program. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, 
at the very least, like you said, two good talents, uh, you know, but a healthy Milton, a healthy Mackenzie Milton's value is just, I think, next to none. People argue that if Milton was healthy, that UCF LSU game uh, might have gone a bit different. I I do think that just considering what LSU put on the field defensively that day, uh, that's not a knock to LSU. I think that's just more of, uh, you know, UCF putting a lot more into that game than LSU did. Uh, I, I dispute the motivation arguments when it comes to UCF playing Auburn, but uh, LSU just didn't put a lot on the field that day. And Daryl Mack just wasn't the type of guy who was going to go out there and beat that because the experience wasn't there. But Milton, I think that LSU game goes a bit differently. Uh, so that that's Mackenzie Milton. I think we're ready to kind of dive into the season now. I think we're going to give you some of our favorite moments from the season. So uh, why don't you go ahead and start uh, with some of your favorite moments? You know, so uh, we're, we're going to do a top three of our favorite moments in college football this year. If you have some uh, honorable mentions or anything like that, you can mention them. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how you uh, prepared for it. But um, just taking a look back into what we've seen in college football this season, um, I have to say that my third favorite moment, we're going to start from three and go to one, was uh, honestly watching Ohio State's comeback in the Big Ten Championship game against Wisconsin. You know, they got off to a slow start. My dad's an Ohio State fan. I was kind of, we were kind of watching the end of it together. We didn't get to watch the beginning. He was at uh, an event. But um, so, you know, he was kind of worried. He was texting me, like, what do you think is going on? Because, uh, you know, we have that relationship to where we talk about mm-hmm. games and stuff like that. Um, they went down 21 to 7 in the first half. Uh, you know, it, it kind of looked bleak for them. Their playoff chances were slowly slipping away from them. But, as soon as soon as halftime ended, I don't know what was said in that locker room, but something came out and they came out firing in the second half. You know, behind Justin Fields' three touchdown performance, which all came in the second uh, the second half, um, there was a J.K. Dobbins touchdown run in the in the first half to give Ohio State that seven. They scored twenty seven unanswered points to put the exclamation point on Ohio State's playoff berth and get in against Clemson, which we all know what happened to that. So Yeah, for sure. That was a great game. Uh, Ohio State just really picked it up in the second half for a while. It was uh, looking not great for them. I remember I had high expectations for Wisconsin in that game because uh, Jack Cohn, who, you know, usually the production doesn't come from a Wisconsin quarterback in that offense, but he had just came off a really good game against Minnesota in the snow. So I thought, you know, Maybe indoors he could keep it up. It seemed like that for a little bit, but at the end of the day, uh, the better team won. I want to get into my third favorite moment uh, from the season, and that is when Jake Fromm won a game throwing for 35 yards because it just shows how worthless he is to his team and that literally anyone could play quarterback for them and that they would still be as good because they rely on running backs. I actually think Jamie Newman is going to be there from Wake Forest. Yes, I expect Georgia to be better. Uh, with him than they are with Jake Fromm. Uh, So that's my third moment. Uh, I I believe you can go ahead and read your second. I really like my three. I can't wait to read the other two. (laughs) You're going to laugh. Absolutely. Uh, You know, we thrive off Booger and Jake Fromm slander here on Sunshine State Takes. Whether that be, uh, you know, anything we can say from what Booger says to Jake Fromm's performance on the field. You know, they both give us material and we love both of them for it. But um, number two, I had another Ohio State game. I think it might have been the game of the year. Uh, I, I didn't plan to do this. I didn't plan that it would be Ohio State um, for both. I actually didn't even realize when I wrote it down. But uh, Clemson-Ohio State, I mean, we've discussed it into detail, so I don't really need to go into it that much right. further. But I just think that was one of the better games of the season. And despite officiating, that really you know caused the outcome of the game. That Well, it, it decided uh, parts of the game that you know ultimately decided the outcome. Uh, I just think that it was a uh, knockdown, drag it out type of playoff right. game. And it was really what you look for in, in, a, in a game. And I think it was probably one of the better playoff games I've seen uh, since it since the inaugural season in 2014. It was very good. And uh, I can't wait to, you know, maybe that matchup occurs next year. But in the national championship game, those two teams are projected to be atop the NCAA once again next season. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, the national championship since the playoff has been uh, implemented have been pretty good, but the playoff semifinals have never been great. So it was really refreshing uh, to see Ohio State and Clemson give us a close semifinal for the first time, really since that Georgia Oklahoma game a few years back. What a game that was! That though. was crazy. That was one. Of, that's probably my favorite game in the recent memory. Yeah, that might have been my game of the decade. I just wish it went the other way. Me too. Uh, I agree. But anyways, my second moment. Uh, you ready for my second moment? I'm ready. My second moment is Jake Fromm throws three picks and a loss to South Carolina. <laughs> and they lost the game because of it. It was actually four total turnovers. 
The score was 30-27 to 27 in overtime. South Carolina won on a game-winning field goal, I believe. Another game uh, that Jake Fromm kind of uh, was the weak point of Georgia and it, in Georgia. Uh, it, it costed Georgia because of his poor play. Uh, so that was one of my favorite moments of the season. Uh, we each have one moment left. I believe you have a moment that you witnessed in person that you're pretty excited about. Yes, I did. Before I get into that, I just want to talk about, uh, you know, like you said, Jake Fromm uh, throwing three interceptions against that uh, South Carolina defense, which um, I think South Carolina might have been the best 4-8 and eight team in the entire nation this yeah. season. They, they were losing some close games, but they were really uh, – I thought they have a wonderful defense, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, the craziest thing about that is they went into double overtime. All right. So first of all, it was at Sanford Stadium. All right. That's uh, the home of the right. Georgia Bulldogs. And their all-world, all-renowned uh, kicker, Rodrigo Blankenship, who every Georgia fan just absolutely hypes up and gives the most to. Uh, he missed a field goal. You know, he, he missed a 42-yarder, which if you if you ask anyone, a 42-yarder, it's not a – not a given in it's college not, football. Yeah, it's it's not, not a given, a but given. for Rodrigo no Blankenship, a given in college exactly. Football, but honestly. for Rodrigo Blankenship, it was definitely one that many people expected to happen, expected to you know be able to put up. But the craziest thing to me was Ryan Helinski. Uh, he fell out of that game. He wasn't uh, in it for the overtimes, and they were actually playing against a third-string quarterback. Because if you remember correctly, earlier on in the season, uh, we saw South Carolina have Jake Bentley go down, yep. which uh, they planned on being their starting quarterback. Ryan Holinsky then comes and steps in. Uh, if you remember correctly, he is the brother of the guy that passed away at right. Washington yep. State. Uh, he, uh, uh, you know, was that was a big story regarding that family, and he was able to get his shot this season, which I'm. Uh, I, I can get into that at a different time, but I thought Ryan Helensky played great given the circumstances. But no, they had a, their third string quarterback step in, and Georgia got beat at home to a four and eight team, and it was glorious. Uh, you know, I try not to be very biased or anything like that, but that I can genuinely say that I was excited for this game. See, yeah, for the thing with you is you're a Gator fan, so hating on Georgia is just like, oh, he's a Gator fan. I literally am a UCF fan. I don't have a stance on this Florida Georgia take. I just see people kind of prop up Jake Fromm as the golden boy, and I don't really get it. And then uh, I'm about to get into my first moment in a second. I believe you're going to go first, but I'm kind of going to go a bit in depth to why I really feel the way I do about Jake Fromm in a second. But first, let's kind of get to your moment real quick and uh, uh, get closer to wrapping this thing up. Yeah, um, I'd have to say for my moment, I'm going to have to go with uh, the Florida-Auburn game. You know, it was a really good game. It was Florida's probably biggest game in the recent uh, in recent memory, in my opinion, other than the you know games that they've lost, it was their biggest win in recent memory, and uh, they were able to put up some good numbers against a uh, pretty stout Auburn defense. You know, there was times in the game where Auburn created turnovers. Florida also created turnovers against the young Bo Nix. Kyle Trask went out uh, with the injury for a little bit. Emory Jones came in, led the uh, offense right down the field, and it really just felt like the old swamp. There was a uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of energy, electricity, I should say, in that stadium that day. And, uh, you know, it was really exciting to be there. It was something that uh, really pumped you up as a Gator fan. And it really it felt like old times were back. Uh, that was before they went on to beat the Auburn Tigers, who before the game were actually favored uh, to win it by two and a half. So, uh, you know, in the swamp and everything, I just think that it was able to take Bo Nix out of his element. He ended up throwing three interceptions in that game. Uh, you know, the the – I was in the student section. It was just a rowdy, you know, right. the rowdy reptiles were at it. And, uh, you know, we were able to take off, take on the number seven ranked Auburn Tigers at the time and put on a great showing for the fan base. And, uh, you know, it just felt like the old swamp, like right. I said. And uh, just another, you know, semi uh, kind of, you know, subtopic to it. Um, the, those were – possibly my favorite throwback uniforms of all time. Oh, yeah, uh, I was they, about to they ask were, that. Those they wore their heat. throwbacks in yes, that game. Yes, they, right? they wore some heat. And, uh, you know, it was just an electric game all around. We saw LaMichael Pirine take one up the up the sideline for 88 yards uh, to be able to really put the game out of reach. And, uh, you know, the, if you there's a video on Twitter uh, you can hear where the, he breaks free and the crowd just erupts, yeah, and it was I'll, the loudest. That's uh, another thing I was going to mention. I, I remember, I think he retweeted that video or something. And like, yeah. Once again, I don't really 
have a stance on any of these teams when it comes to the power five i really just watch but uh that video you know it's like wow that's yeah it, that's it awesome. just it makes you feel you know really good especially as a gator fan so yeah that's probably my uh favorite moment of the season i think uh, just being able to really uh enjoy it to take it all in being in the stadium being in the swamp having it back to being uh similar to the days of the national championships with tim tebow and percy harvin and guys like that it was uh really interesting to take our five and team that was coming off a 10 win season and push us to six and oh which was a uh, huge after uh the years of struggle that florida's faced so yeah so uh what about you what's your uh what's your favorite moment from the 2019 season matt uh my favorite moment is when Georgia lost the SEC championship because Jake Fromm played terrible. And, um, you know, he plays terrible a lot, so it's not a huge thing. But the thing with this one is I, de- I decided to bring my trash talk to Twitter for really the first time. And uh, right before the game, I tweeted, here's every good play Jake Fromm has made in his career. And I posted a picture of a black <laughs> screen. It blew up. It got, a, you know, it got upwards of 20 retweets over 100 likes so uh, nice, nice. uh there there were some expectations for jake Fromm in this game for me and it was that he needed to stink up the bed uh well luckily jake Fromm, i guess he doesn't watch film so he didn't know Derek stingley was good <laughs> he went after him twice and Derek stingley really just embarrassed him and made him look bad uh granted he did throw a touchdown but it didn't come till they were down 34 to 3 so he might as well have just uh sat on the bench and let the backup throw it uh also uh, his stat line for that game, he was 20 of 42, so he didn't even complete 50% of his passes, once again, because he's not very good. And for 225 yards, Lord knows how many of those came in garbage time, considering his touchdown uh, came. Oh, his touchdown was only a two-yard touchdown pass. It, I mean, might as well be a handoff. So, uh, yeah, my, my those are my three favorite moments. Uh, Jake Fromm just playing terrible. Even in the game he won, that's on there. He threw for 35 yards. Just to um, add to that, DeAndre Swift ran for 175 or 179 yards and two touchdowns. So, in other words, I could have played quarterback, and Georgia still would have won that yeah, day. It seems like Jake Fromm should be drafted to Jacksonville, considering that's the only time of year he ever plays well. Uh, you know, in the yeah. world's largest cocktail party, he picked apart the Florida's defense, the Gators' defense, which. Uh, pained me to watch and they still only won 24 to 17 it looked like Georgia could have ran away with that game if he would have just made a few more throws but at the end of the day he wasn't able to but they still got the win which is what matters in college football just being able to win games and it you know pushed Florida to seven and two after losing to LSU earlier in the season which I think we're about to get into LSU uh, like you know talking about LSU unless you have some more uh, points to talk about on the uh, you know uh, Georgia you know, a highlight reel you just gave us. So, uh, well, I, I will give an honorable mention, just something else I really enjoyed from this season. I think my favorite game overall was the Penn State Minnesota game, uh, just because it was really cool to see a high stakes game in Minnesota and it was a close game back and forth. And it ended uh, with Minnesota's defense on the field. The entire university was at the backs of their defense, and uh, the Minnesota defense ended up coming up with a big stop there. So, uh, outside of Jake Fromm stinking it up, I think that was my favorite moment, but uh, I do want to go a bit more in depth about, you know, where my, where my dislike for Jake Fromm kind of comes from. And I don't know if you ever watched the show QB1 on Netflix. Yes. I just really didn't like Fromm in that show. I thought he came across as kind of a, a bit of a jerk and, you know, a bit of a D-bag. So, I you know, I, I was like, I really don't like this guy. And, you know, when you kind of sit there and watch him, it's like, okay, you know, he's really not that anything that special. So uh, it gave me some material to kind of – uh, go to Twitter a bit and give him some trash talk. Yeah. Uh, at, at the end of the day, it, it's not personal. It, it's I can honestly say it's a bit more of a troll because, you know, uh, I don't really have any reason to hate Georgia, but uh, it's fun, and most of the time I'm right, and it makes me look good. So uh, for those of you wondering out why does Matt hate Jake Fromm so much, uh, that's, that's why. Yeah, and I just don't like him because I'm a Gator fan, and I'm just going to be 100% honest about it. There's no other reason. You yeah. know, so, uh, yeah, we're about to get into this uh, national championship preview. We're going to break down LSU and Clemson seasons individually and then give you our preview and predictions on tonight's big game. So uh, we'll get back with you in just a second.
Welcome back to Sunshine State Takes as we dive into the national championship team season. We're going to start with the LSU Tigers in a game that is going to be the biggest of their recent memory. Um, LSU's had a pretty interesting season this year. Uh, don't you think, Matt? I agree. Um, it, they've kind of just looked totally new than what we've seen for the past few years. I mean, the question surrounding LSU has always been the quarterback, and it seems like they've never really had a quarterback that could take them all the way. And then in comes Joe Burrow, the Ohio State transfer. Uh, looked all right last year. I don't remember his stats being eye-popping. This year, though, whole different story. Man comes out firing. Game after game after game, he is just putting up good stats. And, um, you know, they played Georgia Southern the first week of the season, so I don't think anyone was really going crazy about a 55-3 to win. But then came week two. Uh, they went into Texas, and this was one of the more highly anticipated games that I've seen in a while. And I remember kind of just going about my day Saturday just super excited for this game because of what was at stake. Sam Ellinger versus Joe Burrow on the road in Texas. Texas hasn't had a home game that big in forever. And uh, I think it was 38-31 late in the game. LSU was up. It was going back and forth. It was a great game. Um, I forgot to mention that earlier. I wanted to. I really um, – I said Penn State, Minnesota. I made fun of Jake Fromm. This game was one of the best of the season. The only thing with it is uh, Texas kind of finishing the season. Not great. I think people kind of forget about it. Uh, but this was a great game. And it was 38-31 late in the fourth. It was a third and 17. Uh, instead of running and kind of just setting up a, a punt, uh, they put the ball in Joe Burrow's hands. He avoids some pressure, steps up in the pocket, and he throws a strike, and the receiver took it all the way for a touchdown to put the game away. It was Justin Jefferson, 61 yards. And that kind of right then and there, you were like, wow. Like, okay, we might have something with LSU this year. And they, I'd say they kept it up for the most part. Uh, won a lot of their games by double digits. Uh, outlasted Florida on the road in the big primetime game. Squeezed past Auburn. Beat Bama in a shootout. Uh, crushed Georgia in the SEC championship to kind of clinch the whole thing. Uh, so my takeaway with LSU is they were never going to struggle with a bad team, and they had what it took to uh, close out the close games when they had to. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is a very good team, rightfully ranked number one. I was really riding high on Ohio State for most of the season, but um, LSU deserved this number one, and they showed it when they embarrassed Oklahoma in the playoff. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think that they had a spectacular season uh, all behind Heisman winner Joe Burrow. Uh, I just thought they were utterly dominant all year. It, the, the closest game they had was Auburn, 23-20. to 20, And uh, Auburn really uh, put pressure on Joe Burrow. They were able to sack him three times, and uh, but he still accounted for two touchdowns in that game. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow has been a player this season that – it doesn't matter what you throw at him. He's able to counter it, and he's able to put points up on the board. Uh, I think LSU has been uh, one of the better teams we've seen, not just this season, but in recent memory. And like you said, they really flipped the script on who they were. Uh, recent memory, they've been got, uh, teams that run the football with guys like Leonard Fournette right. and uh, Darius Geis and people like that. But this season, they really put an emphasis on passing the ball and getting Joe Brady from the New Orleans Saints uh, to be their passing game coordinator, who's uh, honestly done a great job with Burrow and his trans, uh, you know, his progression through the time he's been at LSU since transferring from Ohio State. And, uh, you know, they've had some big games, like you said. I think uh, there's a few games that I highlighted, uh, one being Texas, like you mentioned, Florida, where uh, Florida was in it most of the game until Derek Stingley, the talented freshman uh, at corner, was able to get an interception in the red zone off Kyle Trask, which – uh, you know, I think Florida, honestly, there's a few games like Alabama and uh, A&M or in uh, Georgia that were uh, they seemed to go in and it was going to be a big game. But I, I, despite the Alabama score being 46 to 41, I still think LSU really dominated in that game. Uh, Alabama threw a late uh, pass to Devontae Smith to really make it look closer than it really was. But LSU has been a great team this football season and it's definitely something that you look at and you're going to look at years down the line. You're going to think that was a special team. Uh, they have just weapons all over the field for Burrow to utilize. Their defense has stepped up as of late. 
And, uh, you know, I highlighted the Texas, Florida, Auburn, Alabama, A&M, UGA, and Oklahoma games. And uh, those are some pretty big games that they went in. They dominated a few of them, including that A&M, UGA, uh, Oklahoma. They pulled out some tight ones in Texas, Florida, and Auburn. Uh, Alabama, like I said, was a little bit – it was kind of in between that uh, close but uh, distant game at the same time. And uh, they were able to, you know, hold teams like UF, who has – uh, the fourth most sacks in the nation to zero sacks, whether that be because Jonathan Grenard and Jabari Zuniga were out of that game. Uh, they were able to hold Georgia, who ranks fourth in total defense, uh, only allowing 18 points a game. They were able to, able to put 37 up on them in the biggest game of Georgia's uh, season, in LSU season at that point. And, uh, you know, they just dominated. I, I can't really say much more about it. than the, I can't really use any other word than the word dominant because when I think of LSU in 2019, I think dominant. I think, uh, you know, at every single position – they just have been able to outplay the other team. So that's what I think of LSU this season. Right, and the concern with LSU early on in the season was their defense wasn't great. And coming into some of these late games down the stretch, you know, uh, maybe Georgia was going to be able to score some points on their defense. Maybe A&M was going to be able to score some points on the their defense. Uh, we saw Ole Miss score 37 points on their defense. But, uh, you know, this offense was great. And then something just clicked, and now their defense, not great, but uh, with your offense playing the way it is, the defense at this point has been just good enough to the point uh, where LSU's offense can do all the work, and LSU's defense isn't going to do anything to lose them any games. And that just makes LSU 10 times scarier than they were before. Um, So if LSU keeps it up on defense – you know, they're going to be tough to take down tonight. But then again, uh, uh, we're about to get into Clemson. They're bringing out a pretty good offense. So it's all just really interesting to me. Another thing I'd like to point out uh, with LSU, uh, you know, we'll be talking about the NFL. We'll be talking about Tom Brady and whether or not his targets are really great. Uh, when it comes to Joe Burrow, he might just have one of the best group of receivers I think I've seen in college football in a long time and not to take away from Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's great, but uh, Jamar Chase, 1,559 yards, 18 touchdowns. Justin Jefferson, 1,434 yards, 18 touchdowns. So guys four, work- four of those came in the first half as the Oklahoma game right. too. He was able to put on. So This uh, guy's working with two number one wide receivers, yeah. honestly. Terrace Marshall Jr., I, I mean, his numbers are, are not as great. He still put up 12 touchdowns along with – 625 yards. I mean, this this is a good group of guys he's working with, and it's just so explosive that, I, I mean, I don't even know how you stop them. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be uh, a challenge for Clemson. But for Clemson, uh, I think we can go ahead and start getting into their season itself. Uh, they started the year off at, uh, against Georgia Tech. I uh, actually um, got a YouTube TV membership because the ACC Network – was not on, and I wanted to watch Clemson play in their first game of the season. I shortly then canceled it after they went up big against Georgia Tech, even though Georgia Tech seemed to make them struggle a little bit. Uh, it, it was kind of interesting. But after that, um, they, they really put on a pretty good season, in my opinion, beating A&M in week two, and then uh, only really struggling against uh, what many believe as their letdown game of the year that they still won. A lot of times we see big teams go in to places like North Carolina or uh, in recent memory, I'd say North Carolina State has been the team to really upset. Even Syracuse has put up some big numbers against Clemson in recent years. But this year it was North Carolina, uh, but under the tutelage of Mac Brown, who is once again coaching in college football, uh, they were able to you know keep it a close one. 21-20 was the final uh, and you know they should. Clemson showed great resiliency. Uh, UNC honestly uh, had that game won. They uh, a failed two point conversion to win it at the end is what really costed them that game. But after that game, if you went to go look at Clemson, they were able to beat eight straight teams by thirty or more points. Yeah. Uh, Florida State, Louisville, Boston College, Wofford, NC State, uh, Wake Forest, South Carolina. And then Virginia uh, in the ACC championship game. Uh, They've had a great season. Trevor Lawrence has put up unbelievable numbers. Uh, He hasn't been the same Trevor Lawrence we saw in his freshman year, but um, I think a lot of that relies on uh, what you really expect from a player that's still never lost a game in college football. Right. Uh, Well, it seemed to be that the big argument surrounding Clemson was their schedule wasn't uh, all that. And uh, looking at some of the teams they've played on here, like, 
uh, Charlotte and Wofford and, uh, you know, Florida State hasn't been great as of recent. You know, Louisville's kind of so-and-so. Syracuse had a down year after a few good years. I mean, the schedule really wasn't anything great. Um, You know, like I said, they almost lost to North Carolina, but I think that's more just because of uh, the rising star in Sam Howell than it was, you know, Clemson not playing the greatest game. No matter what, whenever you go on the road, it's going to be difficult to win, especially uh, with a rising star like Sam Howell on the other side of the field. Uh, And then uh, Clemson met Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl. And, you know, Virginia's good. But I'd say Ohio State is the only legit opponent Clemson's faced off against this season. I agree. And it took Ohio State being inconsistent on offense and a few calls going their way with officiating uh, for them to squeeze out that game. So I honestly don't know how to feel about Clemson going into this game. I thought Ohio State was the better team in that game, honestly. I think Clemson just had a few big breaks that really helped him out and that they really took advantage of. But overall, I thought Ohio State should have won that game. So uh, I'm a bit up in the air with Clemson. Uh, You know, they have good pieces. They have a great coach. Trevor Lawrence is never going to go out and play a bad game. Uh, Travis Etienne is a very reliable running back. Uh, T. Higgins, Justin Ross, Amari Rogers are all, you know, very – solid targets in the passing game for, uh, for Lawrence, along with ETN, who can be very dangerous in the passing game along with the running game. So kind of similar to LSU, uh, both quarterbacks are going to be accompanied by uh, really great receiving cores. And But in terms of schedule, once again, I'm just not really sure how to feel about Clemson coming into this one. Yeah, uh, I definitely think that they were able to – you know, you can only play what's put in front of you. Uh, these right. These games are – uh, put out years in advance, and uh, some teams that they might have thought was would have been a little bit better, like FSU. Uh, it just didn't come to fruition, uh, as long as Texas A&M, who they got a big uh, win against early in the season, twenty-four to ten. Uh, A&M's a team that, I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, has only lost to ranked teams throughout the season. Uh, they, they've played well in in games against you know Georgia, and uh, even they played semi well against Clemson, but they're still just weren't matched enough talent-wise to be able to do anything uh, big against them. But like you said, Trevor Lawrence is uh, he, he is not going to play a bad game. He might have a few interceptions, but at the end of the day, he's going to do whatever it takes for his team to win. Uh, on the year, he's went 250 for 370, which is a 67.6% completion percentage. He's thrown for, over three, uh, for nearly 3,500 yards, 36 touchdowns, and only eight interceptions. Uh, the eight interceptions number – uh, many early in the season, many were concerned with him. Uh, I think he had a few uh, multi-interception games, but he was able to uh, kind of put that doubt to rest of people thinking that he might not, he might, might have lost a step from last season or anything. Uh, and the game that really pops out to me, like you said, was the Ohio State game. Uh, I think that they showed uh, while there was there's the few calls that really uh, you know went in their favor that helped them get there. I think a lot of people really put down uh, teams that are uh, winning close games uh, because, you know, it's college football. If you're a team that's supposed to win uh, big, you're you're looked at as a team that if you don't, it's a bad game. But uh, when's the last time a team that hasn't went through, you know, some – they haven't went through some turmoil or uh, they haven't been forced to be resilient in big games? Uh, You know, you need that for a team that wants to win on the game's biggest stage. You need a team that has uh, been through the trials, been through the uh, turmoil, like I said. And it's going to be a very interesting matchup between LSU and Clemson, which we're about to get into in a minute. But for now, I just want to really uh, just kind of put to rest all the Clemson isn't uh, doesn't isn't meant to be there uh, kind of things. Just because uh, while I do think Ohio State should have won that last game, I still think Clemson is the one of the you know top three teams in the nation, and it should definitely prove to be a uh, a top matchup of the year in this national championship game in new orleans louisiana so Uh, and i totally agree that uh uh, the committee nailed their top three in terms of lsu ohio state and clemson and i won't try to argue that clemson shouldn't be there uh they definitely should have been in the playoff once again the fiesta bowl was a little shaky but you know it was what it was at the end of the day football's a 60 minute game uh you know calls don't make up the whole story but 
you know, more so than other games I felt they did. But at the end of the day, um, you know, Lawrence just led that prime championship drive. No one was stopping him. He was a man on a mission. Go ahead, touchdown. Defense got the game winning interception off fields. Uh, I really admired how Clemson kind of came together as a team at the end of that game. You know, the offense went down and did what they had to do, and the defense got the stop they needed to get. That was championship football. So, uh, you know, even if Clemson didn't play, you know, the most impressive schedule or even if people want to complain about that game, I think, um, you know, how Clemson came together at the end of the day shouldn't be ignored. And, uh, you know, if Clemson wants a chance to win, they need to be able to come together like that again in this game because uh, tonight is going to be a game. Uh, where Clemson can find themselves down multiple points in multiple different times. For sure. Clemson's definitely going to have to uh, keep it up and keep uh, close with LSU tonight. But uh, for right now, I think we're done with the two individual team seasons. We're going to take a quick break and get back into the, uh, the game itself and our predictions for the night. So stay tuned for our final segment as we roll into it. All right, guys, welcome back to Sunshine State Takes. We are in our final segment of our national championship preview show. We're finally going to get to the high-stakes game that will be going on a bit later tonight. LSU, Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Dabo Sweeney, Ed Orgeron. It's going to be fun. We're going to bring you a preview. We're going to give you some score predictions. Uh, Brandon, what do you think is going to happen here? What What are you looking for? What are you looking at? Uh, what are your thoughts on the game? You know, before I really get into predictions, I just want to give some, uh, you know, musts for each team. Uh, what each team must do. Uh, I think Trevor Lawrence must use his legs on offense to be able to gain some yards. Uh, we saw him last week against Ohio State really, uh, you know, use his legs a lot more often than we've seen him from him the recent uh, in recent uh, games. He's been able to use his legs to be able to get some yardage and even a big touchdown that really put the game uh, back, he got them back in the game against Ohio State, and I just think that uh, you know he's he's a threat to run the football a lot more than people give him credit for. Uh, while he might be a pro style type of quarterback, he's still able to do that. And um, you know, someone else who's able to do that is the opposing quarterback Joe Burrow as well. Uh, he has the ability to run on the ground as well, be able to take the ball and kind of just make plays. They're both just pure playmakers, and uh, I, I think. Clemson is going to be really reliant on that. Uh, for LSU, I would have to say that, uh, you know, Clyde edwards Hilaire is going to have to have a big game, not just in the running game, but in the passing game as well. We saw him kind of uh, have limited play time uh, in the semifinal game just because he was injured, uh, coming off an injury. He's going to be a little – I don't know how much he's definitely going to be used in this game, but he should have had time to heal by now. And uh, honestly, in the biggest game of the year against, you know, Alabama – uh, we've and uh, even Georgia, we've seen Helaire really put a lot of. We've seen LSU put a lot of emphasis offensively on Helaire, which gives him a good chance to be able to have a big game to put LSU over the top. So, do you have anything to say about you know just trends or something you would like to see in the this game tonight? Uh, well, that Clemson defense is tough, led by Isaiah Simmons, and uh, we were talking about that Auburn LSU game earlier. Auburn was really get able to get some pressure on Joe Burrow. I think that's. That's uh, Clemson's biggest focal point for this game is let's get pressure on Joe Burrow. Let's force him into some uncomfortable passes. So I, I do agree that Hilaire is going to be a key factor in this one. Pound the running game, open up some play action, uh, throw some passes in the flat, really get that ball out of Joe Burrow's hands uh, early and often, especially if that pass rush is coming at you as tough as Clemson is known for doing usually. Um, so in terms of a key for Clemson, it's getting pressure on Joe Burrow. For LSU, like you said, it's opening up that running game to open up the passing game. Uh, another thing I'm interested to see here is this game is being played in the Superdome. Uh, so I, I wonder if, uh, you know, maybe maybe not necessarily the football team, 
but maybe the LSU fans are kind of overlooking this a bit. Like, oh, we just came off a dominant win over Oklahoma. We're the best team in the country. This dome is going to be yellow and purple tonight. You know, maybe maybe Clemson catches LSU off guard a little bit in the beginning and, you know, maybe goes up 14-3 to three or uh, like 17-10 to 10 or something. Maybe takes a bit of an early lead. So um, another key for Clemson is if LSU comes out to a slow start, then yes, Use Trevor Lawrence's leg. Take some deep shots. Do whatever you can to t- kind of take advantage of, you know, m- maybe the the lacking performance that LSU starts off with, if that is the case. Uh, so a little recap: Clemson, get pressure on Joe Burrow and take advantage of LSU if they come out a bit sleepy. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I don't think is going to happen is LSU is going to come out sleepy. We've seen them all year uh, come out and start fast there. They, they start quickly. They did it in the college football game or college football playoff game. They did it in the SEC championship. They did it against my Florida Gators. Uh, it's just something that they come out firing on offense and they move the ball right down the field and score nearly immediately. Uh, I, I'm not sure how many times this season they've been stopped on the first drive. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely a, a win when you stop this LSU defense or LSU offense. But um, where, where I think the game really lies on both sides of the ball is the receiving group against the defending group. I think that each side of the ball needs to be able to be proficient in passing the football. They need to be uh, just, you know, like I said with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he can open up the passing game. Uh, If he's able to do that, it's going to be huge for LSU. Uh, Meanwhile, on the other side, Travis Etienne, a mixture of Trevor Lawrence in there, uh, being able to get the ball uh, in the running game to take it for a few yards to be able to open up their play-action passing game. Uh, It's definitely going to be interesting. I think – uh, you know, guys like T. Higgins, Justin Ross, and Travis Etienne, who's kind of, he's honestly an underrated pass catcher for what he brings to the Clemson uh, offense. Uh, against guys like Derek Stingley, he's the freshman. Uh, he's honestly one of the better defensive players, not just as a freshman, but in the country uh, at, at corner for LSU. Christian Fulton, who's had a pretty good year alongside uh, Stingley. And Grant Delpit, who went into the season being the number one overall rated safety uh, he won the safety award. I forget what it's called, but he won uh, as the best safety in America, which is kind of weird considering he missed a few games. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, he still was able to do so. And then on the other side of the ball, you got guys like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrence Marshall against Darion Kendrick, A.J. Terrell, and even Isaiah Simmons, who is, uh, you know, he he's a versatile player. He plays linebacker. Uh, and, you know, he can play linebacker. He can play in a safety role. Uh, he can play great coverage against these LSU players. But I think where the game, you know, what it comes down to is that LSU, uh, they have a they have some sleepers in terms of being able to receive the ball. And I think the guy that might have a big role in this game that not many are expecting is Thaddeus Moss. Yes, Thaddeus Moss, the son of Randy Moss. Uh, he's another playmaker on that offense. Um, he has the hands of his dad with a large frame. He's able to box players out and he's able to go up and get balls. Uh, we saw him do it a few times this season. We saw him do it against Georgia, against uh, even – uh, you know, against Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, he's ready to stack. Uh, so, like, he's ready to go out there. He, he, he stacks the receiving core uh, even more than it already is. And, you know, he's a tight end. So uh, he's able to bring a few more things to the table that uh, Clemson might not have. I, I can ag- I can agree with that. And, um, you know, it's, it's two lockdown secondaries that each team are bringing to the table tonight. Uh, so maybe if Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson aren't having – their per usual games. It might come down to, all right, I just got to put up a 50-50 ball and hope someone comes down to it. And Thaddeus Moss is the perfect guy for that. Uh, we've seen Randy Moss do it. Who's better to go up and get a Moss than a right. Moss? You exactly. Know I mean? Thousands and thousands of times we've seen Randy Moss go up and Moss people. Uh, you know, maybe if Clemson really is bringing their defensive A game, that's what it's going to have to come down to. Uh, you know, let Thaddeus Moss go up and just snag it out of the air because it runs in the family. I don't doubt he'd be able to do it. Uh, I agree with you. It's definitely the wide receiver cores that are important here uh, because there's just so many, there's just so much electricity in each group. You know, I was listing it earlier, uh, 1,559 yards for Chase, 1,434 yards for Jefferson. Both have 18 touchdowns, 12 touchdowns for Terrace Marshall. I mean, these guys are just electric uh, playmakers all over the field. Every time Joe Burrow says hike, you got at least three to four playmakers on three to four different parts of the field for LSU. And that's dangerous. We've seen these good Alabama teams year after year after year, and they put out good receiving cores. But this LSU team just feels 
so much more dangerous and so much more complete and so much more versatile than really any SEC team I've seen in a while. And as good as that conference already is to begin with, it, it just it it just makes it it just makes from a talent aspect, it makes the conference look so much better because they were able to build this team with this talent. And it, it really, for the first time in a while is a team that I could confidently call unstoppable. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. LSU is definitely unstoppable. And uh, you know, in, in my preview for this game, uh, you know, kind of looking over and trying to see what I uh, really thought was going to be a big piece of this game. I, I went and I looked at the comparisons of each team uh, in points per game. LSU averages 48.9 Clemson averages 45.3, both high scoring offenses that can put up points with the best of them points uh, allowed. LSU at, uh, allows nearly over 10 points more than Clemson does a game at 21.6 Clemson allowing 11.5 in uh, yards per game. Uh, you know, LSU, Averages 564. Clemson averages 538. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of putting LSU as this world beater offense. And I, while I do agree that they're uh, one of the best offenses we've seen in college football, I don't think Clemson's that far behind. Uh, you know, LSU's played a bit of a tougher schedule, but Clemson has shown they can score the football. They or they can score on offense. They can uh, move the football up and down the field. Uh, and I think that their defense is – what's really going to decide this game. Uh, they ranked first in defense as uh, overall defenses in 2019. They only allow 264 yards per game, including uh, nearly, I think it's nearly uh, 103 yards rushing the football uh, per game. And uh, the craziest thing about it is while LSU ranks 28th in ranked defense, Clemson ranks third in total offense. Well, LSU ranks first, so I think that's really what it's going to come down to. Uh, it's going to be the nation's number one offense versus the nation's number one defense, and I definitely think it's going to be one on that side of the ball. Maybe Joe Burrow has the ball late. Isaiah Simmons might make a play, or Joe Burrow takes advantage of Isaiah Simmons or something similar in that matter. But uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting game for when LSU is on offense and Clemson's on defense. Right. Uh, well, I'm, I have stats pulled up, too. I'm looking through this. Uh, Clemson – averages 246 rush yards per game lsu 166.9 that's a big difference uh lsu is throwing for 397 yards a game to clemson's 292 uh obviously in order to throw for 400 yards a game it means you got to throw the ball a lot that's where the pressure is key for clemson uh if lsu is going to come out and throw the ball that much you force a lot of incompletions uh if clemson's able to you know, kind of make LSU uncomfortable and do what they really want to do running the football. Uh, Because if you're running for 246 yards a game, you're probably chewing up a lot of clock. Yeah. Uh, so I I think that's a key for Clemson, uh, make Burrow uncomfortable and really try and match your average number of rush yards for the year. Um, don't make it to where Trevor Lawrence has to do everything. He doesn't need to, um, you know, let him do more work on the ground than he has to do through the air. Just let him keep the clock running. Uh, he'll deliver the big throw when he has to. I I personally think considering the struggle of LSU's defense earlier in the year and considering how good Clemson's offense is, I'm not confident in LSU's defense for this game. Now, like I said earlier, I don't think LSU's defense will lose them this game, but in terms of you know, the total dominance we've seen from LSU this year. I don't know if they'll be able to keep that up in this one just simply because of what their defense has been. I mean, they've allowed 339 yards per game. Clemson's only allowed 264. So, and granted, Clemson has also only allowed 151 pass yards per game. They're very good at, on pass defense. And LSU's allowing 221. Uh, Trevor Lawrence's average pass yards per game is 292. So um, Lawrence's average is pretty not not quite around, but uh, you know he could definitely get close to his average considering uh, how LSU's been in the past defense this year. Uh, so you know not just running the football, but all in all, LS or Clemson really just needs to take advantage of the holes that this LSD, LSU defense brings to the table. I think that's the key, um, and obviously for LSU, they're going to be going up against a much better defense. Uh, it's also going to be coming down to take what they give you. I don't think either defense is going to give much, but uh, you got to take what they give. Absolutely. And uh, from the wise words of Chris Collinsworth, now here's a team that has won 29 games in a row in Clemson. Uh, they've won 69 
they went 69 and four since 2015, two of which have been lost to Bama in the college football playoffs. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has never lost a college football pl- game in his life. Uh, Travis Etienne is having a spectacular season for Clemson. He's being able to put up spectacular numbers. And honestly, he's kind of a dark horse in this game, despite putting up the year he's had, uh, you know, the L- Louisiana native. Uh, he he kind of got gypped out of an opportunity to play for LSU, w- went to Clemson, and is putting up uh, great numbers there. Uh, Clemson's defense is incredible. Uh, like I said earlier, 69-4 since 2015. They're 78-5 and since losing to FSU in 2014. An FSU team who went on to play in the playoffs, uh, first yeah. uh, college football playoff. And it, it's, uh, you know, they, they're creating the next big dynasty uh, support of Alabama uh, in college football right now. And I just think that Clemson can continue by continue that dynasty by winning this big game in Louisiana, but it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy because they're playing an LSU team who has been rolling through this season. They have been continuously putting up points. They continuously throwing the football on you. And they're just, you know, this year, this is the year of excellence for LSU. Uh, They stepped up defensively down the stretch. Uh, You've seen them win big games against, you know, teams like Georgia, who ranks fourth defensively. We're talking about Clemson uh, being the number one overall defense in the nation. The crazy thing is Georgia averages uh, allows only 18 points per game. Clemson also only allows 18 points per game. It's a yards per game thing that makes Clemson the better overall team, according to, uh, you know, the defensive rankings and everything like that. But there's weapons all over the field, weapons, playmakers, anything like that all over the field for LSU. They're able to, you know, do it with the running back, wide receiver, offensive line. They're award winners for the best offensive line in college football. Their defensive line's, you know, going to get after it. They're going to uh, see a few of their linebackers get in there, make some plays. Their safety, uh, gr- safety's Grant Delpit leading the charge there. Christian Fulton and Derek Stingley on each side. It's hard to pick apart a team that has barely any weaknesses. I'd say if there was a weakness for this LSU team, it's their front seven on defense. But at the same time, if they're able, if they're able to play coverage, if they're able to play in the back end against Clemson's talented wide receivers, this game could be very, it, it could be very different from what everyone believes it can be. Well, do I think it's going to be like that? Absolutely not. Uh, Oh, and I just wanted to mention real quick, they also have the Heisman Trophy winner on their team who's had one of the best college football playoffs or college football seasons that we've seen in the past decade or so. He has had the best college football playoff, too. You were right about that. Yes, yes. He hit seven touchdowns in the first half, including eight total in that game. Uh, But, yeah, it's going to be a spectacular football game tonight, and I cannot wait to watch those two teams go head-to-head at it there in New Orleans in the Superdome. All right. Well, I, I think we've covered it enough. Let's get into some score predictions. Let's uh, let's let's give the listeners what they want to hear, and it's who we think uh, we're gonna win. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into mine. I, I think this game's gonna start off a bit slow for LSU. I, I think um, you know, weeks on weeks on weeks on weeks of football of your team just stepping on the gas, not letting off. Uh, you're finally in your home crowd for a national championship. I think the 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 dome's gonna mean majority purple and yellow. I think L- I think it does get to LSU a little bit. I, I I think the bright lights get to them a bit in the beginning. Clemson jumps out to a lead, uh, but second half's gonna come around. Joe Burrow and LSU are gonna settle in. Uh, Joe Burrow's gonna start doing his thing. I expect him to throw upwards of 350 yards in this game, anywhere from honestly three to five touchdowns. Uh, and I, I I kind of expect the same from Lawrence. Maybe you know maybe closer to like. Uh, you know, 280 and like two touchdowns or three touchdowns. Well, I, you know, I expect the quarterbacks to be uh, some of the focal points in this game. I expect a lot of offensive production, you know, closer to the ends of the game than I do in the beginning. Uh, like I said, I think the beginning is going to be a pretty slow start, at least for LSU. Um, I think it's going to be a tale of two game or tale of two games for each team. Uh, when it's all said and done, uh, LSU is going to win the national championship tonight. I have them winning 40 to 27. Uh, you know, like I said, Gonna start off slow, but uh, you know LSU is gonna do their thing when it's all said and done. They're they're gonna win this game. They're gonna win. Uh, what's gonna end up being a a pretty distant uh, margin of victory. Absolutely, it's the Tigers versus the Tigers. Death Valley versus Death Valley. There's a lot riding here, and it's gonna be a spectacular game tonight at 8 p.m. on ESPN. But uh, the craziest thing about it is, I think Clemson is more balanced overall than LSU. It's gonna be a high scoring affair, but in the end. I think this has the ability to be 
one of the better games we've seen since Watson versus Bama, you know, going yeah. down to the last minute, we see kind of a spectacular drive. And I, I have to say, despite Clemson being the more balanced overall team, I have LSU going in, capping off their spectacular season with a 45 to 42 win in the national mm. championship to bring it back to Baton Rouge and those tiger faithfuls go tigers, baby. Go tigers. Go tigers. Uh, wow. 45, 42. It's yeah, that close. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, it's a game that I see being close for most of the game, but I, I don't know. I, I just think similar to how they've done it all year, LSU is just going to kind of pull away in the end. Or this could also be one of those games where, you know, LSU jumps out 14 uh, nothing, and Clemson is just kind of playing catch-up the whole time, but they're never actually truly able to stop LSU. But nonetheless, I think LSU is going to win. They're going to win by double digits. They're going to raise the trophy. It's going to be a fun night in Baton Rouge. Uh we can at least both agree that we got LSU. That's just going to be in different ways. Yes, sir. So I got LSU 40-27. Brandon's got LSU 45-42. 40, to 45-42. That's our preview. That's what we think is going to happen. We hope you enjoyed, and we hope you enjoy the game tonight. Uh, we'll be back sometime next week to break down uh, this past weekend's divisional round games. Uh, those were all very good, so we're excited for that. And we'll see you then. We'll see you then. Have a great weekend. Uh, have a great week. and. Go Tigers!